Turn in your Bibles to the book of Proverbs and chapter four, or turn on your iPhones, or turn on your iPads. They should make iPhones rustle so that we still sound spiritual, shouldn't they really? Rustle, rustle, rustle. <clears throat> I was listening to this this morning, or rather Vicky was, so I had to overhear it. Um, and I thought, well, this just fits everything we're looking at. We're looking at the area of God has plans to prosper you. If you could pop the next slide up and we'll just use that. I love, that's been my picture. Is God a God of scarcity or of abundance? Is God about to run out of anything? No, God is super abundant. He never runs out. He never runs dry. The streams of God are filled with water. And so as we approach the area of finances, looking at Proverbs 3, let's read a well-known passage and use it to set us up for the teach this morning. Proverbs 3, verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Where should you not lean? on your own understanding. In other words, our intellect can only go so far, God can go further. Um, One of the great difficulties with finances is, of course, I've I've said this every morning because I know it happens and I know some of you are struggling with it. We get very twitchy over the area of finances um, as if it's a private thing or a dirty thing or a greedy thing. But the Bible has 2000 verses on finances, way more than faith or prayer. God talks about finances again and again. 16 of Jesus' 38 parables were about finances and work and employment and stewardship. And so we need to learn. The Bible speaks into it. So I'm happy to be in a popular preacher if I preach truth. I really don't mind it because I know God's behind me with a very broad Joel Osteen-esque smile on his face saying, well done, son, you just go for it. And uh, I don't know, many of you will smile too. Um, But understand, this is an area where we can't just lean on our own understanding. We can't just let God into our guilt-ridden areas, the the bits that we want restoring. He says, let me come to you and restore you. We're all born broken. There's a lot of stuff in the headlines these days about, well, people are born that way. You know what? They're absolutely right. We're all born broken. But God is the great restorer and the great healer and the great repairer. And he's not just the debt counselor, he's the debt canceller. It's a big part of the Bible, God having that amazing thing that you know you owe something and God says, I let you off. I let you off sin. And guess what? God has the capacity to come in and bless you financially and let you out of some dumb mistakes. Anybody ever been there? And you go, oh, thank you, Jesus. I'll never do it again. Who's ever done it again? Right, but he comes back and says, okay, I love you so much. I'll help you, I'll help you, I'll help you, I'll help you. He's more in love with you than you know. So with this whole subject, work with me. Don't lean on your own understanding. Understand that there are spirits and spiritual powers around the area of money. Jesus said you can't serve both God and mammon. The reason why people get so agitated around money is because there's a spirit to it. And it uses two things. One is fear. And the other thing is what people aim at pulpits when they start to talk in it, control. And so, you know, that kind of controlling thing comes out where we want to ridicule or have a go at. When we talk about money, don't be afraid of it. Soak in all those scriptures that carve you up a little bit. Now, I'm going to let God's word soak into my logic because God's word and me, something's got to change because I'm becoming like Christ. 
And guess what? God's word's never going to change. Amen? So it's us who are doing the changing as we read God's word. That's why we've read so much of God's word as we've gone through this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. Shun evil. This will bring what? Health to your body and nourishment to your bones. You know, understanding the Bible brings health to you. There's things that we think, and it's true for every one of us. I mean, I've been reading the Bible 40 odd years and still I go, I didn't know that was there. That's come out new. That is different to what I think, right? There's, there's many, for an easy life, I'd love to change a lot of the things that I believe. Anybody? So, and the more different the world becomes to the church, the more it's easier to go, well, let's give up on some beliefs because it's just easier. But here we go. The word of God keeps us healthy and strong and nourishes us and holds us. Amen. And then the next bit says, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruit of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing. Say overflowing. Tell the person next to you, Overflowing. Tell them, live in the overflow. Go on, I want you to put a big Joel Osteen smile on your face. You smile like a good prosperity preacher. Stick out your finger and you tell them, live in the overflow. Go on, who's got the guts to? Live in the overflow. Have a bit of fun. You know, so sometimes we just get so weedy and British and grey and small-minded. Listen, be a big-hearted person. Don't give, don't make your mind the Lord. Make your heart the place where Jesus sits and reigns in your life. So things can go on that you have to say, I don't understand it, but it's written there, so it must be true. So I've got to try and get my head. Listen, it's going to take you eternity to get your head around here. Three half hours on a Sunday morning doesn't even scratch the surface of God's teaching on finances. So we're just popping and we're looking at the index and beginning to understand it a wee bit. Amen. God has a million ways to bless you. Trust him. All right, trust him. Um, Let's go to the next slide. So today I want to do some of the um, principal teaching on how God will bless you. Um, uh, The last two weeks we've talked about the fact that God does want to bless you. And today we're going to talk about how he does that. And I'm going to talk about four areas of our posture. Uh, understand God is not some divine slot machine where we pull a lever and act like an ATM, you know, out comes the money if we put in the right pin code. We're talking about a posture in life. And when we have this posture in life, two things happen. Number one, abundance can come our way. Didn't Jesus promise you abundant life, fullness of life, a blessed life? And the word blessed means happy and prosperous. So every time you say bless you, you're going be happy and be prosperous. Okay, so when we take these postures in our lives, we have the opportunity to be happy and prosperous and to know abundance. But also there's other seasons. Let's be very real about this. There are there are some real valleys in life, right? And God will use the valleys to grow as treasures teachers. But here's the ultimate. Here's the worst level promise of God, right? At the very basic, I'm still going to meet your need. Now, sometimes it'll seem like the vats overflow. At other times, every, t- every time you go to the pot, it won't run dry. It's not overflow, but it's never running out. Come on, you ever had those months when you go, I don't know how we made it through, and we're still not in the red, but we made it through. I don't know how we got through those three months or those six months. Sometimes God will just hold you in that place where you go, just trust me. 
I know the bank balance doesn't look too good, but it'll never run out when you invite him into your finances. Then other times you go, where on earth has all this come from? And that's the abundance of God coming into your world. So there are four areas of posture we're going to talk and teach you about uh, this morning. The first one is this, that God wants you to be expectant. God wants you to be, number two, diligent. Number three, he wants you to have the posture of a steward. And number four, he wants you to be generous. You get these four things into your, your mind frame, in your heart frame, your family frame, your finances, and uh, you'll find that God puts you in a place where you go, right, now I can expect my finances to be blessed. At the very least, I'll never run out, but pretty well often I'm going to know abundance. Amen. And we've gone through the last two weeks, the reasoning for this, so that we can be generous on every occasion. It's not to do with the getting, it's all about the giving. If we can live to give, then wealth will flow through our life and we can be a blessing. Millionaire is how much you can give, not how much you can get. Amen. So let's begin to look at some of these postures. Number one, expectant in faith trust. Let's go to the next slide. Up here, you're going to get the the four things that God asks us to do. Number one, he says, ask. And let's go to the next slide. And we've got some scriptures on asking. Asking puts you into the posture of being involved. God, um, we don't ask God to inform him. We ask him to involve him. Let's read these scriptures. I'll, I'll read them to you. You do not have because you do not ask. James 4, 2. Matthew 6, 8. Your father knows what you need before you ask him. I just put that in so we can contrast it. And Matthew 7, 7, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find, knock and the door will be opened to you. Now, God knows everything, but he still says ask. There's something in the asking. He wants us to posture ourselves in a place where we are actively saying to God, God, this is what I want. He wants us to bring the desires of our hearts, and here's the whole point of why finances is powerful. He wants to bring the things of our heart to the surface and for us to analyze what's going on in us. Is it a good desire? Is it a selfish desire? Is it a greedy desire? Is it a God desire? Is it a generous desire? Or is it a right desire that God blesses me with something and I feel like a little bit of a treated son every now and then? Anybody? Asking causes us to think about things. He doesn't want you to metaphorically lay on the sofa with the remote in your hand going, oh, God's good, just stuff falls out the sky. No, he says, ask. Not because I don't know, but because I want you to know what's in you. And I want us to come into some kind of involved agreement where we come together and you begin to ask me for things. Ask and your joy will be complete, Jesus said. He wants you to ask. If, my, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, this is John 14 and 15, great passages on prayer. If, you, if my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish. Say whatever you wish. It's just a wild statement. It's in red. Jesus said it. Fight it all you want. He said, ask whatever you wish. But here's the context, the posture. You remain in me. My words remain in you. Your wishes will be clean. I'll change what you wish if you get close. So if you get into a position where you're really close to me, I'm in you, you're in me, my word is resting in your heart. You get to that place, everything you wish will be yours. Wow. Say it backwards. But can you see how wealth again and again 
brings your heart close to Jesus. Yep. By the time we get to the end of this message, you're going to realize it's all about Jesus. Yes. All about Jesus. Not about getting. It's all about Jesus. Bringing our, our needs before him and conversing over them and working through them and, and trying to work out, well, here's the, here's the biggest one. Who am I that God should bless me this way? Do you ever have that internal conversation? Well, God wants you to work it out. Who are you that he should bless you this way? He wants to get you to that point like David at the end of his life. He was saying, who am I and who is my family that you've been so kind to us? Not like the elder prodigal, older brother. Well, I've done all of this and not asked you for a thing. That's, that's not scriptural at all. Who am I, God, that you should be so kind to me. You see, when you answer these questions about wealth, you answer questions about your value. Because I expect Zach to not understand the value of things. He's six. But he understands his value. Daddy, can I have? (laughs) Daddy, can I have? (laughs) You know, we've been away We've been away this week over in the Lake District with my brother. And, you know, if he behaved, we were going to go to the game shop and get some video games, two for the price of three, or three for the price of two, not two for the price of three. That's not good value, is it? (laughs) You know, he's just picking up everything. He knows no value whatsoever. Children get their own value more than the value of things. When we grow up, unfortunately, we begin to obsess about the value of things and devalue ourselves. Because now we're carrying some shame, we're carrying some mistakes, we're carrying some errors. We know the world's a tough place, right? There's even Christians, if you're not living in this place, you can think like that advert that we just heard that said, I didn't want to have a baby, why bring up something else to suffer? This world can be hard. But if we get our heart into the right place, it says, okay, God, you love me and you'll keep me. So daddy, I'm asking you, I'm asking. Asking involves. Vicky and I were trying to sell our house for a year. And it was kind of one of those things. Put the house on the market, trying to send you know, a little bit of interest, not a lot. Houses not selling all that well. And, um, but then uh, it was the beginning of the three weeks of prayer and fasting that we had earlier this year in May. We went for a walk in a wood, as you do when you want to pray. And, uh, and it's like, okay, Vicky, we actually need to, well, well, let's go and agree. Let's go and converse together and agree what we're asking God for here. And so it was like, okay, God, this is the kind of involvement he wants. Think, don't just be lazy. Don't just yeah. wish, throw pennies in, in wells and think, you know, okay, Sarah, Sarah, I hope God does something nice to me. No, what do you want? You're a grown-up. What do you want? What do you think God wants for you? And you go, well, I don't know. Well, there's your opportunity to really become a mature believer. What do I need? What do I need to be a blessing? What should I have? If you can't answer these, you're in sucking the thumb stage of Christianity. Let's mature and go, okay, God, who am I? What should I be living in? What has your blood bought me on the cross? How should I be asking? What's right asking? What's wrong asking? Let's deal with motivation and let's be grown-ups about this, God. God is saying, right, come on, ask me like a grown-up. Approach the throne with confidence, with cheekiness. We're a little bit of sense of, right, God, I'm here. And we were just thinking that maybe you'd like to. And so walking in this word, okay, God, it's been a year, nothing's happened. We're agreeing before you right now that this house will sell in Jesus' name. And by that, I think that was a Monday. By that Thursday, we had a viewing. Uh, within the three weeks of the three weeks of prayer, the house was sold for the asking price. 
No, not for the, was it for the asking price? It wasn't, was it in the end? No. Anyway, but it was sold. Hallelujah. It was sold for a good price, which we were pleased about. God brings breakthrough when we involve him. I just remember this little 10-year-old boy. When I was in, in, uh, in itinerant ministry and traveling out of a Bible school base, and a little 10-year-old boy said to his mum, we didn't have a lot of money, and, and, and uh, it is like, I don't know, 60, 70 staff at this place. CNA would send over a box of reject clothes every now and then. Come on, Paul, you remember it, right? The CNA box, we used to long for it, right? And I remember this, he might have been about 10 or 11 at the time. And he said, mummy, I want some red trainers. They must have been in at the time. I want some red trainers. And like, you know, things cost money. These are the days when I was on like 50 quid a month and, you know, trusting God for toothpaste and stuff like that. And this little 10-year-old says, I, Mummy, I want red trainers. So she did what we all did at that time to everything. Well, you better ask God because we ain't got any money. You better ask God. So little Andrew starts praying for red trainers. Oh, Jesus, please give me red trainers. About four days later, the CNA box arrives. And there's usually, there's like belts that are about 17 feet long and things like that. And size 14 shoes. It's pretty well rough. You, we, we look like some kind of a reject shop walking around. You know what I mean? Right? Welcome to Bible school. Hats and random weird shit. I look like Beaker for most of the 90s. Honestly, I did. Just, <laughs> but it was abundance for where we were at. Right? I mean, do you understand this whole talk of wealth? Most of the world thinks you're wealthy. Yep. So when we talk about wealth, it's very relative. If you're living on more than a dollar or two a day, you are in the top end of the world's wealthy. So don't get twitchy about the concepts of wealth. You, you, you know, Solomon couldn't afford air conditioning. You've got it this morning. You live in a very wealthy era. We just got to learn how to let it flow and grow in, the, in a kingdom way. Right, so CNA box comes and out comes the random bits of unusual clothing for one-legged and one-armed people and things like that. And, uh, and then out came these red trainers. But being red trainers wasn't enough. They've got to fit him, right? Size 14 is no good for a 10-year-old. So there you go, Andrew. Try the red trainers on. They fit perfectly. See, every night he'd pray, Heavenly Father, I really want some red trainers. And mummy and daddy can't afford them. Can I have red trainers? Ask. You have not, because you ask not. And it's not that he doesn't know. Asking somehow draws him into your world and postures your heart ready to receive. Amen. The next bit is, uh, let's go to the next slide. The second posture, the first posture is ask. Being an ask, nothing wrong with asking, Okay. Um, uh, uh, it's in the asking that we get cleansed and we start to work out what's godly and what's not and begin to deal with value issues and stuff like that. The second area is diligence, hardworking. God likes diligent, hardworking people. You know, God's into hard work, right? Uh, that got a great amen. Thank you, both of you. And uh, God's into <laughs> diligent, hard work. And so we posture our lives for blessing through work. He made you to work, all right? Uh, God likes to bless something. Okay, so Jesus didn't uh, feed the 5,000 plus women and children out of thin air. He blessed something and multiplied something that they had, right? So work is something that you have that you can place before God and you can pray every day, bless it, multiply it. Get me in the place for promotion. I want to be a Christian influencing my sphere of work. I'm expecting the promotion and the favor. How many Bible stories got that in them? Okay, right, Joseph, all these, it's you. 
You should be getting the places of influence. You should be the most brilliant worker that you get promoted and promoted and promoted. And when you try and leave, they try and double your pay just to keep you. That's who you should be because you've got the Bible and the Spirit of God to help you do it, right? God loves to bless things, loaves, fishes, pots of oil. He could have fed that woman. He can do the manna thing just falling out the sky. But he said, out of a pot of oil, I'm going to bless you. When God made the world, he didn't say, let there be animals. He said, let the land produce animals and the land produced. He said, let the land produce vegetation and the land produce vegetation. God wants to look at your work and say, let that job prosper you. And here's another thing. Uh, Vicky and I have a couple of other business that we do aside from our work here. It doesn't take much of my time at all. It's mainly Vicky's time. But we have businesses that we can say, God, bless this business. Pour yourself out in this business. In fact, as a, as a result of being blessed, we had an unexpectedly high tax bill this year. So we started the year off about two or three thousand pounds in debt to an unexpectedly high tax bill. And so we start to pray every day over our business. God, bless our businesses to pay off this debt. And we have seen such an increase, even in this year, over our own little businesses that bring an income into the house, right? And if ever one area of finances disappears, any Jew would tell you this, don't have one income, have many incomes. Why? God can bless many streams. You got one income, if it goes, you've had it. If you got many, God says, okay, I'll bless you over here in this season, then I'll bless you over there in that season. If you're hard working, I'll bless you. Be innovative, be skillful, invest, learn how to use money. I don't know how to invest in all these kind of things, but learn how to use money. Go hang around people that do. If there's an area that you think I need to stretch in this area, go find them out. Go spend some time with them and stretch in the area of finances. Amen. God wants us to posture our lives in work so the pot of oil doesn't run dry. Just go to the next slide. Let's read the scriptures on that. The Lord will open the heavens, the storehouse of his bounty, to send rain on your land in season and to bless all the work of your hands. Look at that. To bless the work of your hands. Deuteronomy 15, give generously to them and do so without a grudging heart. Then because of this, the Lord God will bless you in all your work and in everything you put your hand to. Proverbs 10, 4, lazy hands make for poverty, but diligent hands bring wealth. Amen. So the first one is ask. The second one is work. The third one is speaks into the area of stewardship. Let's go to that slide, please, which is the area of the tithe and the first roots. And here we're going to do a little bit of teaching on this. Is this okay? In short, the tithe is that 10% that we, I use this language for now until I've taught some more on it, that we give to God out of our income. What we have coming into the household, we give 10% of it back to God. Okay? Now, here's why. Let's read the scriptures first. Go to the next slide. And you'll begin to understand why the tithe and first roots is all about stewardship. Malachi 3.8. Yet you rob me. Say rob. rob. Say thief. thief. Right. Oh, I like it. Yet you rob me. But you ask, how will we rob in you? In other words, we don't understand. People don't understand about the tithing and, and that it's robbing and stuff like that. So in tithes and offerings, you're under a curse, the whole nation, because you're robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. 
Leviticus 27.30, a tithe of everything from the land, whether from the soil or from the fruit of the trees, belongs, can you say belongs? Belongs, belongs to the Lord. Here's the secret of why it's stewardship. Um, our money isn't ours. Yeah. We're yeah. stewards yeah. of what flows through our life. And the tithe sorts out whether you believe you're a steward or an owner. Non-tithers think they own it. Tithers realize I'm thanking God for what he lets flow through my life. Okay. And he says this. So a tither from the land, whether grain or soil or fruit from the trees belongs to the Lord. It is holy. That means set apart to the Lord. Proverbs 3, 9, 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Exodus 23, 19. Bring the best of the first fruits. Say first fruits. First fruits of your soil to the house of the Lord your God. Here's a few key points. Number one, why is it that we rob God when we don't tithe? It's because the tithe belongs to him. Here's the secret. Tithing is not giving. It is returning what's already his. That's why he would say, if you don't tithe, you're keeping what is mine. And so uh, uh, tithing is returning offerings are giving. Tithing is returning what already belongs to the God. That's why he says, um, he uses the language of you're robbing me, you're you're being a thief. Um, uh, And then the concept of first fruits, and I'm just going to pull them together so that we can talk quickly about them this morning. So honor the Lord with your wealth, Proverbs 3, 9 and 10, with the first fruits. When a crop would come in, they would give to God the very first ones collected. When a, uh, a sheep, a ewe, would give birth to a lamb, they would give God the very first one. What's that doing? It's saying, God, we're giving you the first, not just any old, but the first 10% we give to you, trusting that more is going to come because we've thanked you for what you've given. Okay, so a tithe is 10%, but first fruits is the first bit. So if you've got 10 donuts, how many of those donuts is 10%? Come on, work with me. Donuts, I understand, right? (laughs) Any one of those donuts is 10%. How much is 5%? Half a donut. Oh, you guys are great. Half a donut. But which one is the first fruit? The first donut out the bag. Why is this important? Do you give God your tithe after you've paid all your bills or before? Are we giving God the leftover? Remember the whole battle between Cain and Abel. Cain gave an offering. Abel gave the first fruit. So even though he was giving to God, God rejected his offering. Why? You've given me the leftover. You're supposed to give me the first. Because here's the concept of first fruit. Give me the first and I'll bless the rest. So if you don't give me the first, I've not blessed the whole. So a blessed 90% will go further than a cursed 100%. When you give me the first, you are showing me who owns what you've got. You're saying it's all from you. So we give you back the first 10%. Why? It's the posture of my heart that shows I know I'm a steward and it all comes from you. I know you're abundant and I know I'm a valued son. So I have no fear in giving you the first 10%, not the leftover once we paid the bills. It's all about lordship and heart. It's about how close you get to Jesus. 
So we give him, understand all the way through the Bible, God leaves something that you mustn't touch because it belongs to him to test your heart. Garden of Eden, there was one tree. You touch it, you're robbing. You're going to experience death if you touch that. So God has this garden, says you can eat from anywhere. I'm the God of abundance. But don't touch that one because a heart test is what you need. For you to know, where am I really at spiritually? Am I just singing the songs or has God got as far as my bank balance? Because my bank balance is my treasure. Very heart connected, that's why it's so powerful. And so there was just the one tree that was the first fruit. Don't touch it. Listen to this. Abel, I've already said it, gave the first fruit. Cain just gave an offering. Do we give God some spare change like a Sally Army box as it goes by? Or have we really got into the place where we understand biblical finances? I give God my best because that much more than a song shows whether he's Lord. And he says, test me in this and see if I won't open the floodgates of heaven and bless you. It really shows where our heart is at. Abraham's firstborn son God said to him, right, sacrifice him. Now, he never did. It was a test. Remember that? It was a test of the heart. Will you bring the thing you cherish, the one I've promised you? You thought, this is it. This is the one. And now God says, right, give him back to me. He's testing the heart. Nothing will show you where you're really at like money. Will you give me the first and the best because then you are really going to experience the kingdom of God in your life. Jericho, the first city as they went into the promised land, God said, that's the one you mustn't touch. You've got to trust me that more cities will come, but do not touch the first one. It's the first fruit. It's mine. Yeah. We know the story. Achan stole something from Jericho, hid it. He robbed from the law because God said it's his principle from right the beginning, from, from Adam and Eve, right in that garden. There was this principle, the first is mine, touch it, and I will remove my hand of blessing and abundance from you. So they went, they destroyed Jericho in this awesome battle. They just shouted and down came the wars. Then they faced this little town called Ai, and the little town gave them a great old beating. Why? God removed his hand. Then they said, what's gone wrong? Why is the Lord against us? Who's taken something from Jericho? They knew because they understood biblical principles. Somebody took from God what is God's. So they worked it right the way down and they found Achan. What have you done? I took what was God's. God wants the first fruits. Why? It shows us where our heart is at. The whole principle is give up the first to bless the rest. Are you with me? Now, just to show you that God is even into this, he gave up his firstborn son to bless the rest. He was the firstborn. He was the first offering of God. It was an act of trust that said, I, I just sense that if I give up my firstborn, the rest will come to me. But it was an act of trust because once you're giving up all you've got, it's the first donut out the packet. It's the first fruit off the fruit tree. He's my only son, but I give him up to bless the rest. It's an act of faith that brings abundance. And God now says, in bringing many sons to glory. How did he do it? By an act of obedience. I'm going to give the first fruit. If God can give up his first fruit, 
to show you where his heart is at, how much more can we give up the first fruit? Here's another one. The last one. About time. We give up our first day in the week to bless the rest. God made the world, made man on the last day, and then the first thing that Adam saw was God resting. A day just for God and Adam to be together. So Adam first experienced the rest of God, a time just to be together, not to work, but to rest. And why do we gather now on the first day? This is not the last day of the week. This is the first day of your week. And you've come today to say to God, I'm giving you my time. I'm giving you the first day of my week to ask you to bless the rest. Don't rob God. Get up and give him your best and say, God, time, time is the other commodity like money that's expensive. You don't get it back again. So we come and we say, God, I'm going to worship you and trust you that I'll get everything else, all the leisure and the pleasure and the work and the money making that I need to into the rest of the week. I'm giving you the first and I'm giving you the best to trust that you'll bless the rest. That's what first fruits is. It's about time too. Tithing first fruits, returning to him what is his, invites blessing on all that is left. Amen. And it says at the bottom there, bring the best of the first fruits of the soil of your house to the house of the Lord. I sometimes hear in finance meetings uh, with regarding the finances of the church. It's, it's the people's money being somewhat more, you know, theological of thought than financial of thought. I go, no, it's not. It's God's money. I will do what God wants to do with it, not what people want to see done with it. We're going to do what God wants to do. It's his money. It's his finances. Don't humanize. Don't become an atheist with the good news. We want to invite God in and say, God, it's your money. What do you want to do with it? I tell you, actually, as a church, we're in a blessed place. I'm not preaching this because the church needs money. In the last year, finances have gone up in the church 22% in the last year. Isn't that incredible? Last October, God said to me at the beginning of 2014, in, in October, there's going to be a breakthrough and a takeoff. Our finances went up nine or 10,000 pounds in October, November time. And of state, just seem, you, if you see the charts, they go like this and they just go up and they carry on. It's like something happened in the heart of the house that brought us to another level. Finances are deeply spiritual, deeply indicative of our hearts. They all, it all belongs to God. And when we get into that posture, it all begins to flow out of our lives. Amen. And we become a blessing. Tithing is returning. And the last one, the last posture, if I've got it up there, offerings, gifts, they're giving. How do we keep our lives in a posture of generosity? Well, we live to give. We live to give. We live to give. It's great fun giving, isn't it? It's more blessed to give than to receive. I don't know about you. I weep when I write the checks sometimes. Um, but there's just something about the moment you give it away that you go, that it is more blessed. It's more fun to give than to receive. I've given away a couple of cars in my life. I love going up to people, waggling a couple of keys in front of someone and going, uh, I feel you should have this. And, uh, and, and the last time I did it, the guy said, I, I don't think I could afford it. I said, no, no, I'm giving at you. What, giving it? It is more blessed to give than to receive. But I believe something happens when my hand is open, his hand is open. 
When my hand is closed, his hand is closed. We're not talking extravagance. We're talking extravagant generosity. Amen. Let's do the next slide. Just read those last couple of scriptures. One man gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds and duly, but comes to poverty. A generous person will prosper. Whoever, he refre- whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. This is a really key one. Whoever sows, can you say sow? Sowing is a real principle with finances, isn't it? Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. God help us. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Now he who supplies, catch this, seed to the sower so we can sow, bread for food, don't give it all away. You're supposed to eat it and enjoy it too. We'll also supply and increase your store of seed and we'll enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You'll be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. There is something wonderful about giving. Um, The books that I've recommended go deeper into this. uh, But here's a thought. See, God can multiply anything. The only way that we multiply finances is this. You only multiply what you give away. Think seed, think ground. We're trying to teach Zach the basics. So it's quite rudimentary. So, you know, he, he gets 20 pounds from his grandparents. Well, Zach, if you want to, there's this thing called tithing and we give God 10%. So, so how much is that? Two pound. <laughs> it's like two Hot Wheels cars just there. Well, no, but if you sow it into the ground, then God will bless you with more. How much more? Well... <laughs> So we're walking around Smith's toy shop the other day saying, <laughs> Daddy, my seed is taking a long time. What? I'd forgotten the conversation by this time. What, what seed is that, Zach? The two pounds I gave to Jesus. <laughs> it should be at least 20 pounds by now, and I think I can get a Thunderbirds toy for that. <laughs> There's a whole load of verses we kind of shy away from. The more they make you feel uncomfortable, the more you need to read them. That's true of the whole Bible. I've been going through the words in red lately. Jesus said some tough, mysterious things. If you think this is hard, he said things like, if you you can't hate your mother and your father, you'll never follow me. You'll never enter the kingdom. Now we know in other portions, he says, honor your father and your mother that your days may belong in the land the Lord your God is giving you. So... We're talking mystery and tension. and Jesus said big, meaty things, always to carve right into the heart of our motives. Most people I've found running scared about the message of finances have low self-esteem. Nothing to do with how much they got, it's to do with heart. If we grasp this, when we talk about money, how much does he love you? How much can he lift you? Stay away from envy and comparison because it will mean something different for everyone in the room. But how much does he love you? He is a repairer 
a restorer, a healer. And if we expect that he would do it for us emotionally and physically, and well, how much more does he not want to set those who can't work into work and bless them? Set those in debt who've made mistakes. It's funny, we're okay with somebody mucking up a little bit with, with, with their thought life or their relationships. Oh, God will heal and restore. But if somebody mucks up financially, we go, well, let them work it out. God's kinder than that. It's no, I, I have my ways. As we close this morning, I know a lot of what we're talking about are big, chunky, mysterious, difficult things. But just take some of the snippets of what I've said and put them before God and say, God, would you help me? It's a little bit like the disciples walking down the road with the risen Jesus, not recognizing him. They don't, it's all a bit mysterious, but they know, didn't our hearts burn within us? And maybe the only thing you're getting on these three Sundays is somehow I know God's in it somewhere, but it's all a bit intimidating. I'm, I'm worried about greed and selfishness and all these things. And, but if your heart even remotely burns within you to go, God, there's something in this. I just haven't worked out what yet. And what I'd say to you this morning is just step into the mystery. Just by saying to God, well, God, would you come and help me? I don't just want my mind right, my heart right, my kids right, my home right. I want my finances right before you. I want you to be Lord of my finances. And I don't want that to be a scary thing to say. I want my posture to be asking and generous and a, a steward and a son and prayerful. God wants to walk with you through the area of finances and you not find it scary or intimidating. Trust him with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, experience and acknowledge him. He'll make a straight path for you.